Marvel just recently released Black Widow in the season finale for Loki, and there's plenty to talk about. Today, July 14th, 2021, I will discuss my thoughts on both of them and what to expect for the franchise going forward. Good afternoon. My name is Ethan Kim, and this is The Outspoken Opa. So let's begin with Black Widow. It has an 80% Rotten Tomato score and a 90% approval rating, but honestly, I don't think it was that good. I thought it was okay, it was mediocre for the same reasons why Ant-Man the Wasp was mediocre. The villain wasn't that good, and I think every successful Marvel movie, or really any successful movie, has to have a good villain. I mean, you can't really have a developing protagonist without a... Um, centralizing antagonist so if you looked at um if you looked at black widow the villain wasn't that hard to defeat i mean all black widow had to do was break her nose and punch him in the face and the villain wasn't didn't have like any significant powers to um like stop black widow basically uh, i think um like just like an M, M in the wasp man if you saw the villain there wasn't really a villain i guess there was a villain but it wasn't that she wasn't that significant. The ghost wasn't that good of a villain, and she, honestly, she wasn't a villain in a traditional sense because she only really did the quote unquote evil things because she wanted to have a return to normalcy, kind of. Um, and the the other people, the other villain, Emma and the Wasp, was like the gang, basically the the mercenaries, basically. So they weren't re really that great of a villain and in black widow the villain wasn't that good either taskmaster was also a letdown anyone that has watched um spot the cartoon version of spider-man as a ki kid knows how taskmaster really operates they know how creative a villain taskmaster is in the spider-man cartoon show i think it's called um spider-man and the amazing web event web adventures or something like that and in, in the show it, it it has um, Taskmaster taking down, you know, incredible heroes like Spider-Man because he is able to copy their fighting style. And in this show, yeah, that was that happened as well. But Taskmaster, you know, didn't seem like a significant character. I mean, it was a, it was the daughter of the bad guy or the the main bad guy, and you know, she was she experienced a terrible explosion as as a child, and then now she is reduced to this and i don't think her character had any significant complex backstory to it it was just um a mute you know trained mercenary that and kind of fit the cliche of a mercenary that didn't talk that at all and it had just the primary objective of taking down the protagonist so i didn't think taskmaster was really really met the expectation of anyone uh the hero in the show i mean scarlett johansson black widow was yeah, I mean, she was good. I mean, I don't think she was, like, terrible, but uh, there were some questionable scenes in Black Widow in the sense that, like, she literally dropped, like, four stories in one of the scenes. Like, she hit a trash can, and I think the op the uh, one of the initial scenes where she saw another Black Widow die, I think she experienced a traumatic fall there, too, and then she left unscathed, and I think that could raise some questions. I mean, it seemed like she had she was granted with some sort of um, unspecified vulnerability in, in this movie. Uh, 
she was fine. I, I think this movie was a good tribute to Scarlett Johansson playing the character of Black Widow. It was, um, yeah, I mean, I think that Black Widow on a general level has been a moderately well-liked character, uh, especially with her relationship with, um, with Hawkeye. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't really see anything problem with, with, with Black Widow in this movie. The, um, my friend mentioned, however, that the reason why this movie didn't seem like it had any high stakes is because we already know the ending to this movie. I mean, this took place in between Captain America Civil War and Avengers Infinity War, and we know in an game she dies. So we already know in this movie she's not going to die. And we already know in this movie she's not going to be like incapacitated on any, on any level. We already know the ending to it, so there wasn't really any high stakes. Like There wasn't any threat of her dying in this movie. Um, so that kind of made the movie predictable and the writing predictable on a general level. Uh, the action was amazing and the action sequences were really good. If, um, I mean, as always, Marvel does a really good shot, really good job of, of action movies. I think that's one of their strong suits. I think one of the reasons why WandaVision was unique was because it didn't really rely on action, um, to drive plot or to drive meaning in the show, which is why I, I particularly like WandaVision too. So, but the action on a, on a general level was really good. I think Yelena uh, Belova, I believe is her name, seems like a really good replacement to Black Widow. Uh, I know that the end credit scene to the, to the movie hinted at her being a villain, um, especially with, I think that was Lady Hydra. Uh, but yeah, she seems like a really good replacement to Scarlett Johansson. And the movie overall was very important for the MCU continuity, especially with Hawkeye getting his own TV show. It seemed like that post credit scene, or yeah, post credit scene, was um, a good opening to, to that Hawkeye TV show. Um, yeah, I mean, overall, the movie was as good as Ant Man and the Wasp. It was as good as um, any okay Marvel movie. I didn't think it was incredible i don't think it was in the top 10 but it what it is worth watching and it is kind of important to watch for the mcu continuity but the topic i really want to talk about today was is loki um the season finale literally released uh 15 hours ago on disney plus and <laughs> there's so much to talk about loki is an amazing tv show uh if i've watched uh, falcon and winter soldier i've watched wandavision that released earlier this year, and I thought that both shows had their own merits, but Loki really was significantly better than WandaVision and Falcon and Winter Soldier. Really because I think that the character development, or the characters specifically in Loki, were better than WandaVision and, um, and Falcon and Winter Soldier. I think the audience on a general level cares more about Loki than Wanda, or Vision, or Falcon, or the Winter Soldier, because... You know, he's been, Loki's been in the MCU since the beginning. I think he was first introduced in Thor, which is like, what, the second, third MCU movie? So he's been there since the beginning. And I think the audience reaction to Loki has fluctuated since he was first introduced in Thor. I mean, in the beginning, especially in Avengers 1, he was a textbook definition of a villain. I mean, he was deceitful, he was manipulative, he was um, malevolent, but... In Thor Ragnarok, you saw some sort of redemption arc. I think he, you know, tried his best to, um, I guess, overcome his evil ways to reconcile for what he'd done to Thor. I think he actually tried to be a good brother to Thor at the end of Thor Ragnarok. Um, 
I think one of the tragedies of Dor's, I mean, of um, Loki's death by the hands of Thanos was that the last thing that Loki did to Dor was lie to him, uh, lie about the whereabouts of the Tesseract. So I thought that was kind of a tragedy in itself. But on a, on a general level, I think Loki is a really well liked character, and I think that's that's part and parcel because Tom Hiddleston um, plays Loki incredibly well. I mean, he's uh, I think Hiddleston has a really good range when it comes to displaying Loki's different emotions. I think. Um, and I think this show is all about character development. Um, the, the uh, at the beginning of the show, honestly, he, he was very just like how he acted in um in Avengers One. He was self obsessed. He was power hungry. He was um, narcissistic and quite frankly a, a megalomaniac. He was again, like I said, a textbook definition of a villain. But I think he was humbled during throughout the entire show and that was probably because of his friendship with Mo- Mo- morpheus and or sorry mobius <laughs> and um and his relationship with uh sylvie which was interesting to say the least but um yeah i, I think loki's experienced tremendous character development and i i think that hopefully in, in the coming in the future loki moves away from that textbook definition of a villain and becomes sort of this complex, not necessarily an exactly a hero type, but a, you know, a a person that strives to be benevolent, I suppose. So I, I think that's definitely something the MCU crowd should, should look out for. Um, Mobius, on the other hand, I not on the other hand, but Mobius additionally was probably my favorite supporting cast member or supporting character he wasn't really as complex as Loki, but I, I think he was generally like well-liked by the audience as well. I mean, he, it's essentially the reason why Loki was able, was given a second chance. I think Mobius, I, I think he's, I mean, he, on, on, I saw it, you know, his character, his actor is really well-liked too. I mean, for people who didn't realize the actor for Mo- Mobius was um, the voice actor for Lightning McQueen. So <laughs> there's always that nostalgic nostalgic vibe to his character but um no i mean i think he he's grounded in the principle he's grounded in rationality i think he was devoted to the tva in the beginning and when he found that the tva is a front organization for um some sort of evil mastermind he he followed logic he followed rationality and he went against the tva i, I think he's a really interesting character and he, i think he's well liked because because he's grounded in fundamental fundamental principles, I, I think. I mean, yeah. Um, uh, just to briefly talk about the other characters, I think the judge is... I, I think she's kind of confused at the end. I, I know people don't really like her, and that's obviously because she didn't... She betrayed Mobius because she pruned him, because she pruned Loki. And I, I think when everyone saw Loki being pruned, I think we all thought for a split second that he was dead until we saw that post credit scene the judge was devoted to the tva but i think the judge is very important because if people remember the final episode she was given files by the uh, by king king the conqueror to about something and the uh, mrs minutes gave her gave her the files and they didn't actually reveal what those files were and then right before she left the tva and left mobius he she says she's going to seek free will. So I think she's definitely a character to 
to look out for. I mean, she's definitely doing something that that Kang wants. I think I think Kang gave her one last order. Um, I'm not entirely sure if she knew, like, or sorry, Kang didn't give her any orders, but she definitely, but Kang did give her something. She gave him information about, like on files, basically, and that could motivate her next actions. So, so what she does, I think, is of particular interest to the general MCU audience. Um, Hunter Beast Fifteen was a really good character as well. I thought um, her, she is basically just like she and the rest of the hunters were. I guess we're slapped in the face by the the truth of the TVA. Um, yeah, it's really I mean, she's yeah she's she's like a good character. I think Sylvie honestly is a tragic character. I, I think the actress who plays her does is does a really good job. Um, but if you look at Sylvie's character on a general level, she was taken when she was a child for by practically, like I mean it's practically hilarious authority. I mean the TVA was brutal authoritarian force <laughs> the first the, my first thought about the judicial process in the tva was that they had literally had no due process i mean they showed up in court they ask you do you plead guilty or not and then regardless of your plea i feel like they just this, the judge just hammers down a sentence on you which is basically just pruning so um so yeah tva was basically hitler i mean uh nazi germany and yeah um no, but but to go back on topic, Sylvie was taken as a small child, and she wasn't taken because she did some sort of grand atrocity. She was taken because, what, she played with the wrong toy? I mean, it, it seems like a horrific thing for the TVA to do to Sylvie. I, I, think, um, I, I think Sylvie honestly made a defining decision. I, I think she made a decision that will fundamentally define the MCU's... Um, direction going forward for at least the next half decade because the entire purpose of or driving point of the show was destiny it it tackled the the abstract notion of destiny and the first episode was literally called glorious purpose and within that episode we see the notion of free will questioned uh when loki saw how he was originally meant to die he questioned mobius about free will and mobius basically scoffed but at the end of the final or at the in the final episode mobius rejected the tva because the TVA took away people's free will. Um, and the show predicated on personal agency. Every single decision that changed the course of the, the series dependent was dependent on free will. I mean, when Loki went after Sylvie in the second episode and betrayed Mobius in the Al- Alabama Walmart, or whatever it's called, that beca- that required agency. When the judge pruned Morpheus, she made the decision to to value the TVA over her friendship with Mobius. When classic Loki sacrificed himself for um, Sylvie and Loki, he did it because he wanted to have, as he said in his final words, glorious purpose. Um, you know, when the two Lokis were presented with their perfect life at the, in, by, um, the, that was offered by Mrs. Minutes in the, the uh, final episode, they rejected it because they they realized that there was a greater mission than their perfect lives. Every single decision in this series required free will. I think this show basically had that thematic argument or thematic statement about destiny, that your destiny is not set in stone. That even though Loki's destined death was at the hands of, of Thanos, he didn't, he's obviously not gonna die by that, or we don't know, but that's probably not going to happen. He's probably not gonna get killed by Thanos. Um, 
And the final decision that Sylvie did that will define the MCU for the coming years was killing Kang, or at least who we think is Kang. We don't, he never referred to himself as Kang, but he's, we pretty much know he's Kang. Uh, unless like the MCU does pose a fast one on us and tells us that he's some sort of other villain, which would be terrible. But we basically know he's Kang. When Sylvie killed Kang, that sealed everything because that created the multiverse and I think it really solidified Sylvie as a character. I think her entire life, Sylvie has been defined by mistrust. She couldn't, or sorry, distrust. She couldn't trust anyone. I mean, she was deceived by by everyone. I mean, she was acting as a personal agent herself. And I think that because of that distrust, she killed um, Kang. Uh, she didn't even trust Loki. and. On a side note, I don't even know if it's just like incest or just pure narcissism, but them kissing just seems so out of place. But sorry, regardless, she didn't even trust Loki, and and I think that's because she didn't have the opportunity to trust anyone in her entire life. So when she did create the multiverse, it opens up a huge can of worms um, for the multiverse, and it opens up new opportunities for the MCU. I, I think Kang was is, was a very interesting character to observe. I mean, he this episode was basically an introduction to his character. Uh, I think Kang is the next Thanos in, in this entire um, franchise. He is basically going to be this formidable force that has the advantage of knowing what is going to happen in the future. I mean, he knows what's going to happen in to uh to Captain America. He knew I mean if if anyone watched um the Avengers TV show Earth Mightiest Heroes, which debuted back in uh two thousand something or the early two thousands, there was there was a story arc within that show um uh, that featured King the Conqueror and one of his greatest advantages was knowing what's going to happen in the future. So I think Kang is going to be a tremendous villain. he's already said to appear in Ant Man three. Um so we will definitely see more of him and we will see that he is just filled with with brutality and and like significant intelligence too um he has the benefit of knowing advanced technology he has the benefit of knowing advanced warfare tactics i mean he is a serious villain and which is why i think he's an even greater villain than Thanos because there's literally billions of them that's going to be introduced into the show because of all the variants and timelines being exposed um and um also the the actor who plays Kang Jonathan Majors portrayed him beautifully in this in this episode I mean uh just the range he had from uh being positively insulting and seriously prophetic it was really interesting to see I mean just the way he was like um, handled the situation and he, the way he just took the script it, it was it was amazing um, so I definitely look forward to seeing him in Ant-Man 3 uh, yeah I mean I think the show is, is simply amazing it, it's it's better than than Mulan Division and Falcon and Winter Soldier because it contributes vastly to the MCU timeline I mean this is literally the the defining moments for the rest of the MCU, the creation of the multiverse. I mean, it opens up the question, are we going to see um, the three Spider-Mans in one movie? 
the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man and the Andrew, um, the other Spider-Man, I forgot his name, and next to Tom Holland Spider-Man. I mean, we're going to see three different Spider-Mans from the previous Sony movies. I mean, are we going to see resurrected characters, like characters like who've died in the past who are going to come back in the form of a variant? Are we going to see Quicksilver again, um, like a variant version of Quicksilver? Uh, it opens up um, a lot of different opportunities. Uh, I think an important question to really ask is, what is Sylvie's future? Because I think that Sylvie really cemented her character as as distrusting, but we don't know if she's going to be a villain or not. I think one of the most notable aspects of this entire, of the final scene was its biblical illusion. I mean, I, this could be kind of a stretch, but there was, there is an argument to be made that the final scene in this, or not the final scene, but the, the scene in which Sylvie and Loki meet King, that is a biblical allusion to the story of Adam and Eve. And where Loki is, Adam and Sylvie is Eve and Kang is a devil, which I immediately connected the second I saw him eating the apple, which is a reference obviously to the apple that Eve ate. And Sylvie made the alternate decision to kill the devil and unleash a greater evil than the devil himself. Um, and that ultimate decision can also be classified as the original sin. So, um, and there, and for people who know the Bible, the original sin is basically what propelled all of the history or the preceding history of the Bible. So, um, yeah, the, that uh, I think the writing at the end was really interesting to see. It was really impactful. I, I think overall, to speak in general terms, the show had tremendous character development. I, I think the way they transformed Loki's character was really good uh, because it took what several movies for the Loki we we've known for the most of MCU history to basically have the redemption arc I mean even in Ragnarok the Loki didn't really have a significant I mean he did have a significant redemption arc but not as significant as the Loki in the TV or the Loki in, in this TV show so um and the CGI was just visually appealing I mean the the, uh, the scene where it showed like a, a circular sacred timeline around the uh, around the citadel was really visually appealing um and it op and it opens hundreds of speculations as to what is going to happen in season two but yeah i think overall the show was simply a masterpiece and it laid the foundation for even greater cinema to come all right that concludes today's episode you can read our articles at outspokenopa.com and follow us on virtually every social media platform i'm ethan kim and this is the outspoken opa the Outspoken Opal Podcast is hosted by Ethan Kim, directed by Luke Kim, and edited by Ashley Olson. The podcast is an independent production by The Outspoken Opal, and it's edited by its media team.